Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, and alongside me, former Sooner 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's going on, brother? I'm doing well, man. Having a good week. Awesome, man. And... Not just the duo today. We got ourselves a special guest on. Uh, last week was awesome getting to have Pat Fields um, kind of on the player side. This time, got the media side. Joining us today, none other than Mr. George Stoya of the Denver Gazette, uh, formerly of the OU Daily, uh, where, where the man learned to uh, write all the awesome stuff that you can uh, see on his Twitter and, and online. Absolutely fantastic covering the Sooners. And if you are a Broncos fan, or even if you're not a Broncos fan, does a fantastic job of covering them. How are you doing today, George? I'm great. I, I didn't realize you guys had Pat Fields on previously, so I, I won't live up to that. Um, he's definitely much smarter than I am and obviously uh, much cooler, but I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And uh, I want to just honestly get your take on this past season uh, with Oklahoma. You, you were there uh, during the Baker years, saw, saw the Kyler years, uh, a little bit of the Jalen Hurts years, and we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, but what I, I want to ask you about is there was a massive regime change. There's still changes going on to the program. And this has all been done um, under the umbrella of a six and seven year. So I just wanted to get your temperature of the room as, as someone who covered and followed the Sooners during a time when they were winning but we all felt like there was a little bit more left on the table. Now you're trying to keep the fans happy, move into this next generation. Uh, well, what would you say uh, about where Oklahoma is right now in that trajectory? Yeah, I think it's been an interesting year for Oklahoma, right? I mean, you, you look back at the way that obviously it ended with Lincoln. And, and you know, during my time there, I was there. Um, I started covering the team literally um, as Bob Stoops returned tired and, and he handed it off to Lincoln. So I saw you know, those three years where they, you know, made three straight college football playoffs, um, you know, obviously had a couple Heisman Trophy winners. Um, you know, I graduated after the, uh, the Peach Bowl. And so I think I left the program thinking that, okay, well, Lincoln's got it somewhat in good hands, but it was clear to me, and I don't know about you guys, but it was clear to me that like with Lincoln, it always felt like, yeah, they, they could win the Big 12. Uh, they'll make the college football playoff, but it didn't ever feel like they were really um, a team that could win the national title other than that 2017 team that lost to Georgia. I think when when he left, um, obviously there was a lot of uh, panic, I would say, um, the fan base, but I think they went out and got the right guy. At least that's what I thought when they hired Brent. And I still, I still believe in Brent. I just think that this season – when you look at it, obviously, again, when, when, when you have the success that Oklahoma's had, 
a six and seven season is never acceptable. You guys know that everybody knows that um, at Oklahoma. But what I will say is that I think what I said about Lincoln, that yes, he was going to win you 10 games and he'd probably win you the big 12 championship every single year. Um, and he would ex- escape games because they'd score so many points and have the best quarterback. I think that the program is in better hands under Brent. Um, and I think that they have a better chance at reaching that level. And and when you talk about what's coming in the future in terms of going to the SEC, I think Brent's built better to you know transition that. And I know a lot of people have that take. I, and I, again, there's a lot of things that went wrong this year, and some of that's on Brent, and some of that's uh, on you know uh, losing so many different guys and having a different coaching staff and all of that. But I still believe in in, in this coaching staff, and I believe in Brent. And I think that what gives me the biggest hope is the recruiting class. I mean, to go out and be six and seven and finish with a top five recruiting class is pretty impressive. Now, I know Texas A&M does that every single year. Um, They go six and six and, you know, get a top five recruiting class. But uh, I think it's different at Oklahoma because they win and they're historically known for winning. uh, And the tradition tradition around there is is far better than at a place like Texas A&M. So with all that said, I think there's a lot of positive things to look forward to. Uh, I think that it can't get much worse than what it was this year, right? So I, I think the expectations are obviously higher next year. I think they went out and got some really good pieces in the portal. When you talk about what they've got on the defensive side of the ball, I think they could probably go get another receiver or two in the portal. But I think that they've got some really good pieces coming back. And, and again, it. I think what OU fans need to realize is this is going to take some patience. Um, and... and I think that this is not like a, a TCU deal where they're able to just flip it in one year uh, and all of a sudden become a team that's playing for a national title. We saw what happened to TCU in the national championship game. Like, I, I don't think that's what you want. You want to build this over time. Uh, and I, again, I, I believe in Brent. Maybe maybe it ends up not working out. I don't know. but And I'm not around it as closely as I used to be. Uh, but I, I think that if you can recruit the way Brent does, and you talk about the mentality that he's trying to put in place in the program, uh, I do think that it's headed in the right place. That was a long answer. <laughs> that was an awesome answer. That was an awesome answer. Let, let me follow up that with this, George. When you're talking about building the foundation of a program, and obviously you were around through the, I think that was an unprecedented caliber, quality, whatever term you want to use, a quarterback that we had in the sense of, you know, you saw the bake, the, the 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 K1 and then obviously Jalen and, and what he's doing on Sundays even now, what would you say are the three most important ingredients that the program and and, and you, you were around with guys who just recently graduated or maybe going to be the upper upperclassmen this upcoming season? What three ingredients do you think are the most important to the action? And I'm talking tangible like skill position, you know, position groups, so on and so forth. The culture stuff and all that, that that's kind of a separate question, but talent-wise. What are the three most important ingredients you think our respective program needs in today's game to get where we think we need to go? Well, I think you got to be fast in today's game. I think you watch, you watch obviously uh, Georgia and, and even TCU. I, you know, I know they got smacked in the, in the national title game, but the reason they got there is that they're fast as hell and, and they can stretch the field, right? Uh, you look at what Marvin Mims was able to do for Oklahoma for, for, you know, the years that he was there to, to be able to stretch a field with a guy like that. Even you look back at, Hollywood Brown and some of the some of the guys that they've had uh, it come through that program. D.D. Westbrook uh, comes to mind. You need you need speed guys. And I, I think that uh, what Jeff Levy's doing, I, I know that there's a lot of talk about 
the tempo and whether they should, you know, slow it down at times. And yes, they definitely should. There's times to run tempo and there's times not, but the type of players he's recruiting, I think are the right type of players. Number two, I think is physicality, right? Uh, the game is won in the battle of trenches. And I know, again, that's a cliche and everybody says that, but it's true. I mean, the, the, why did, why does Georgia won the last two national championships? They control the line of scrimmage, right? And so you've mm-hmm. got to get guys uh, that are big and physical and and are fast up front, right? I mean, you look at some of the guys that Georgia's had on the offensive and defensive line, uh, those guys are built in labs. And so those are the type of guys that you've got to go out and recruit or go out in, in the portal. And I, I think you look at this last year, especially on defense, I, I would say that their biggest weak point was they weren't able to get a ton of pressure up front. It felt like they weren't able to control the line of scrimmage on defense. They couldn't set the edge very well. So you've got to you've got to be more physical. Um, and then I, I think I, I don't know if this is uh, one that, that that's, um, you know, a, a talent necessarily, but you have to have a great quarterback. I, I think that that is, that is key. I know George has been able to do it with Stetson Bennett. I would argue he's a, he's he's pretty good. Right. I, I don't think he's great, but I think that the majority of the time, especially if you don't have, uh, you know, always the, the number one class every year, if you can go out and get a great quarterback. Like I think Oklahoma's gotten in Jackson Arnold, uh, I think that you can be a, a competitor at the top level. And we even saw that right with Baker and Kyler and Jalen; those guys. The reason they were there was was those players. Maybe maybe not Jalen. That was just a, a good team. But Baker and Kyler; th- those guys carried those teams. And so I, I think that those are the three things when you look at a program that that, that you really need, especially in today. If, if I mean. Obviously, I think the number one thing in a program is recruiting these days, right? You've got to get great players every single year. And yes, I know a lot, half of them are probably going to end up in the portal next year, right? That's the way it works. But uh, if you can go out and get a solid class of guys that, that, that want to be at Oklahoma and stick around and are some of the top players in the country, you're going to be in good shape as a program. And that's why, again, I go back to believing in Brent, the, the ability for this staff to go out and finish with a top five class, despite having the first losing record since 1998, that's pretty remarkable. Now you have to go out and you have to develop these guys. Uh, I think they have this right staff in place for the most part to develop those guys. Uh, but that's, that's how you set a foundation is getting kids in there like a Jackson Arnold. you get Peyton Bowen, uh, you get guys in positions that you really need and positions really, honestly, they haven't been great at in, in previous years when you talk about some of the defensive guys that they got um that's that's where you set the foundation of a program so uh, again i go back to sp- you want to recruit speed you want to recruit physicality big big guys and then i think you got to get a great quarterback and obviously lincoln was good at that and then i i don't want to sound like i'm just totally um taking shots at lincoln because i think he is a great coach and i think he he knows what he's doing in terms of calling offensive plays but i do think he kind of got lost um, a, a little bit at times in, in, in the trajectory of of what they were going after. And obviously the defensive side of the ball and, and the recruiting on that side just wasn't there. And I think that's kind of what we saw this last year. I mean, the fact that they were starting, you know, transfers from Hawaii and Tulane and Wyoming, like <laughs> yeah. that, that kind of tells you where the recruiting was at on that side of the ball. Well, we're two and alike in that regard. Link is a, is a maestro in terms of his ability to get offensive production. Obviously, there's some stuff left to be desired on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but I will say this. Our listeners aren't going to like all that sunshine you were pumping about what Brent is doing. You know, the word on the screen is they got their pitchforks <laughs> out and they're ready to fire him, man. I'm like, come on, man. He's got one year. But no, he's done a great job recruiting. I think the foundation is being set. OU doesn't believe in a ton of time. So we are, we are all understanding of that standard. 
Uh, but he's doing it the right way. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see how year two goes and what we're able to, you know, I, I'm, I'm expecting a 10-win season. And I'm, I'm saying that objectively. I'm saying that based upon the numbers, the, the returning talent. I'm also relative to our to our conference. I think it was a senior-laden team. And then, and then TCU is a team that really just got a lot of things that happened in, in one respective year at one time, similar to our 99 and 2000 team, except, of course, we got it done. But um, no, 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 I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, and you're echoing a lot of things that we all know are extremely important and, and evident in football in today's game. The one thing that I would add, George, is is smarter players in terms of football IQ. You talk yeah. about the physicality and the speed. I think there's a – well, I don't think. Watching games, I can see a lot of things. Our guys are taking a ton of time to diagnose versus either having repped it and or film digested it and or just having that keen sixth sense a la a Roy Williams, who's just instinctively going to be where it needs to be. We haven't recruited that kind of kid in Massey and past and in, in the Lincoln Riley years. We just didn't. And I watch film and Barry and I talked about this a ton. And I think even on the 360 roundtable, we talked about it on film. It translates. We're, we're, we're recruiting football dudes, football players who understand the game, the angles, the 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 pre-snap stuff, right? And and, and those are the aspects that make the one-tenth difference on the key third down that gets you the big play that the casual fan doesn't understand the amount of time, effort, and energy needed to get that type of production. So mm. right with you on your list, brother. Um, I, I nerd out on football all the damn time, and it's something that I see that it's like-minded in a sense that that BVC is, and it doesn't doesn't surprise me because that was his language, his vernacular, his his energy when he was in the locker room when I played ball at OU. So, right, and I think Brent just to go off that real quickly, like you look at his track record at Oklahoma. I, I don't, I'm not as familiar with some of the guys at Clemson, but you look, you think back about uh, smart players and and also you know obviously talented players, but think of the linebackers that he used to have. I mean Travis Lewis. Rufus Alexander, Curtis Lofton, you know, Torrance Marshall, I mean, like Teddy Lehman, like all these guys were, were smart football. They were great football players too, but they were also smart guys. And so yeah. I think Brent, that's definitely going to be an emphasis. And I think you saw some of those guys, you know, grow. I mean, Danny Stutzman is obviously the future at that spot. And I think you saw him grow at times this year. I think he played really well in the bowl game uh, yeah. against a really good Florida State team. So I, I think that, you know, I, if, if I had one criticism of Brent, and I don't know how – how much you guys want me to go into this last year? But do it. if I do have it. one, crit- yeah, go criticism of Brent. It's he game does management. listen though, George. He does listen to why he listens. So okay, great. Well, it, Brent, I would the one thing I would I would suggest to you is, and and this is this, it, this is every first year head coach, right? This is first time being a head coach, but the game management uh, at times, I think towards the end of games, could have been a little bit better. I thought he got better as that at that as the season went on. Um, there were certain times that I think you know, you, you, you could have done a, a better job there. Um, but again, when you're in those, those, you know, how many was, was it uh, four, three point losses at the end of the year? Um, you know, I, those, those yeah. come down to little things. Right. And I think that those are very correctable. And that again is why I have hope that, you know, Brent's only going to get better as a head coach, right? Like he, it's, his, I think that that's the hard thing to realize is this guy's been coaching for a long time. Right. But he's never done this, you know, where he's juggling, you know, the the defense and he's also being the head coach trying to manage a game. So I, I think that those are things that he'll work on in the offseason. And again, when the when the margins are that close uh, and I know a lot of people don't respect the Big 12. I thought the Big 12 was a really good conference this year and it was very even across the way. 
um, you know, the, you can only make so many mistakes. And so uh, I think that Oklahoma is is definitely, again, I think going in the right place. And, and Brent is only going to get better and, and get more used to those type of things as he as he has more experience. Yeah. Yeah. L- let me ask you this, because you're out in Pac-12 country uh, up there in uh, Denver. Prime time. Right. Yeah, so weird you to go. say. That's so weird to so, say. That is not Pac-12 country, but whatever. <laughs> I digress. So, so here's what I want to ask. Look, Lincoln goes to USC. Um, it, it is all of the flash, and then some. He he gets obviously the guys out of who were recruited Oklahoma. Um, your your Relique Browns, your Nelsons, and, and whatnot. He has a successful first year, and, and I don't really want to talk about him per se. What I want to ask about is the just the dynamic of this game and where it's going and now you have primetime c- coming into to Colorado and obviously making an impact right off the jump uh his social media game is it's never even been seen before nobody's even ever really tried it before um Lincoln never came up with this uh just the way he's branding himself the the program the the players in the program it's it's unique i think only could really be done to the level it's being done in the nil era i think this was a perfect storm of, of situation and and uh culture and i, I was saying on our round table might have been off air but dion is everything that i think lincoln wants to be in terms of how the program is perceived, he just does not have that old school cachet that that primetime carries. So uh, what I want to ask about is just a little more big picture and and success level of what a guy like Dion's doing, you know, going out transfer portal, NIL, um, Lincoln out in USC, doing what he's doing. Is this going to be a sustainable model of doing business for college football? And because we haven't really seen it turn into a national championship yet, it's it's just sort of been you know what these up and coming programs do when they change staffs and and, and new guys take over. Uh, well, what do you say uh, on, on that subject? It, I mean, it's tough to answer, right? Because I think we don't know. I think there's so many unknowns with with the NIL stuff. I will say that. I think TCU might be the example, right? I mean, you talk about a, a team that that really flipped its roster uh, and obviously went out and got some flashy players. And, and, and of course, they also had a guy like Max Duggan stick around. You know, Quentin Johnson uh, obviously stuck around and, and those type of guys. But I think that they might be kind of the example there in terms of you you can find success if you, you know, treat your program like that where you flip the roster, um, you know, when you have a new staff coming. In, in terms of Dion. You know, it's really interesting. This 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 place in Colorado is not really uh, a college football um, state. Uh, they don't really care too much about CU, and that's probably you know since I've been here, they've just been terrible. Um, but I, I think that the 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 city of Denver, obviously Boulder, is kind of rallying around it, and I think it's more of a, a spectacle right now. And I think that the feeling is either this is going to go spectacular, and they're going to turn the program around there. Or it's going to totally flop, uh, and I don't. I'm not sure too many people know which one it's going to be. Um, and I, obviously, Dion's getting a lot of talent in there. I actually really like the the staff that he's put together there. I, I really like the offensive coordinator coordinator that he hired. 
Um, so I, I think that I think that they might find some success. The interesting thing is like the Pac-12 feels so much different than every other conference in college football. They play a different style of football, obviously. Um, I, I don't think the fan bases are as diehard. Obviously, we've seen that with USC. I know they call it the, the Mecca of football out there, but that's just not true. <laughs> um, and uh, I just, I, I mean, I, I just find that hard to believe. But I do think the Pac-12 is going to be really good next year when you talk about some of the quarterbacks and players coming back in that conference. But I, I don't really know how to answer that. I, I think it's tough because I think that NIL is going to change uh, so much of the game. And obviously the transfer portal is, I mean, you look at even Oklahoma, right? They they went out and got a ton of guys that I really think are going to like be really good players uh, that can start for them. You talk about the kid from Stanford, he'll probably end up being, you know, starting on the offensive line. Uh, the kid from Wake Forest, I think will be their starting defensive end. I mean, you, they went out and got some, some real guys, some real guys. And, and that can really help your roster and, and, and turn your program around within one year. And you look at a place like Colorado, they can do it too. I mean, you, USC, even this last year, I mean, you look at the guys that they were able to go out and get. So I think it is somewhat sustainable. Now, I wouldn't do it every single year. I still think um, great programs are built on the the recruiting classes that you bring in, the freshmen that you're bringing in. And that's why, you you, you mean, Georgia, you don't see Georgia uh, going out and getting a ton of guys in the transfer portal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, yeah. that's because they're not having a ton of kids transfer either, I don't think. But um, you know, the, the the best programs in the country, at least in my opinion, are going to be the ones that uh, are building great recruiting classes. You're bringing in, you know, 22, 23, 24 kids that you really believe in to set the foundation for years to come. And yeah, some of those guys are going to transfer, but I still think those are the programs that are going to be competing for national titles. Um, yes, you might have a USC or even this last year, a TCU, you know, make the college football playoff and maybe make a run, right? But consistency of some of these schools that are winning the national titles, the Ohio States, Georgia's, Alabama's of the world, um, you know, they're building their programs off of freshmen and recruiting classes and getting those kids in. And obviously NIL is a part of that, but I think that that is where the foundation is going to be set. Mm. So you got to, uh, you know, see uh, Benito up, up close uh, up there in Denver and uh, obviously, everybody's going to see uh, or has seen this year. Jalen Hurts have a phenomenal year. Uh, the, Riley has some guys off those teams who who are probably going to be in the NFL for a while. So, so the guy obviously was able to to get talent into Norman. I just don't think the utilization and development piece was there what, where it needed to be in order to get them over the hump and. We just we didn't see it in the time he was here. USC don't really know what to feel there. Um, kind of with your, you know, ear to the NFL ground. How long does Riley stay at USC? Well, well what's your feel on that? I, I think he's there longer than people anticipate. Um, I, I do believe him when he says that he wanted to go somewhere to kind of build his own uh, program, and obviously USC is kind of letting him do what he wants. And that's not to say Oklahoma wasn't, but I, I do think that there is this, um, I don't know if it's a shadow or what it is, but there's a lot of tradition at a place like Oklahoma. And you guys know that. And and when you have to replace a guy like Bob Stoops, the winningest coach um, in, in program history, I think Lincoln felt like it was never really, you know, he, he never really had the keys to the car. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's kind of, or, or maybe he, he had a, a limit on the speed limit he could go on certain things. And so 
I think that he wants to build that thing up uh, at USC. I think he enjoys recruiting. Now, I think he has an itch for the NFL. Um, and, and I know that from, you know, obviously covering him and I got to know him a little bit and obviously uh, got to know people around him. I think there is going to be a time that he'll be persuaded. I just think it won't be for another few years. You know, he's still relatively young. Um, I know he, that picture of him at the um, the college football playoff, the national championship, he had a little gray hair, but he's still relatively young. And I think that when maybe he reaches his 50s, he'll, he'll give the NFL a look. Uh, and I think he'd be... Uh, somewhat successful. Uh, obviously, I think he's he's a smart guy. And and if I mean, heck, if Cliff Kingsbury can get an NFL head coaching job, I think Lincoln can too. Um, and I think Lincoln would be more successful than Cliff. So I, I think that he could um, he could jump at some point. But I do think he wants to try and build something at USC. I, I don't know. Again, I, I think that he'll win 10, 11 games every year there. And um, I'm sure they'll win the Pac-12 championship uh, several times. But uh, until he figures out how to be better defensively. Um, and I also think he he does a poor job at managing games at times. I, I just don't see him winning uh, a national championship. And again, maybe that changes the 12 team playoff. It, it could, it, you know, that could mix some things up. I don't know. And he's always going to have a great quarterback, but um, you know, I think that he still needs to figure out some things before he, he, he wins one of those. Hmm. So, so let, yeah, let me, I'm just <laughs> What was that? I said, I think I'm just biased. I think Lincoln is pretty much at his peak. I think he is who he, now he could go do something out of character for him, which is to go get an alpha on defense, which will take some of the, the limelight off of him. So it'll be interesting to see if he ever, I guess mature is probably a negative connotation, but just grows in that area and does that. But I think that's what it's going to take. There are, there are flaws to his game and the culture he presents at the university he's at. And, and you see it already at, at USC, some of those things happening. Um, but he's an extremely intelligent guy, definitely an opportunist. And, and I, I I definitely can't hate on the guy taking the opportunity presented to him. But I think the the fundamental uh, components that it takes to win a championship, especially in a day and age now where you got to win in a playoff. So it's not like, it's just different to do a round, kind of a round robin kind of a deal. And you got one game versus an actual playoff where there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that needs to be in place and have order. And I just think his window was where he was. And when he had those three back-to-back-to-back all-time great caliber QBs, was going to be the opportunity for him. And granted, I mean, here I am saying this, and of course I think Caleb's the best of the four. If you if you made me pick one of those four to be my guy, college or NFL, probably I probably pick Caleb. So, hundred percent. That window Agreed. is probably yeah. still now, right? That window is probably still now. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't think Malachi Nelson is going to reach that caliber of player. My my goddaughter's brother, in fact, his name. As a matter of fact, he's freaking going to Texas. How freaking? Oh my god! My goddaughter's brother is going to Texas. His name's DeAndre Moore, and he went to uh, Los Al uh, two years ago before. Or he transferred out, and there there are some things there that traits that Caleb clearly possessed that we knew about before he got to Norman that Malachi he has to grow into. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that thing all unfolds. And again, as it relates to Link himself as a coach, as a leader of men, a leader of men, there's a certain aspect of his him. His actual him that I, I I hope, well, actually, I don't hope because he's not our coach anymore, but it'll be interesting to watch from the sidelines and see if that continues to develop. Because you're right, X's and O's, you, you know, the guy is is top 1%. 
is he going to be willing to provide to let an alpha be on the opposite side of the field or opposite side of the ball for his team? And that might take some of the the shine off of him. That's something that it'll be interesting to see if he'll ever do it. And then, of course, is he ever going to own being a leader of men and not just a leader of the talented guys that you have on your team? Those two things, I think, fundamentally are areas that he's going to have to address before he can ever think about getting to a playoff and then winning two or three or four games against teams that have that foundation in place, which are things I think BV inherently possesses and and he needs to catch up in some of the stuff that uh Barry was talking about in a sense of you know leveraging social media what Neil is how to be dynamic and of course the transfer portal and I think we did a great job this year in the transfer portal but Neil drives that too let's be honest we we all know that if you don't have buy-in and, and a very robust Neil department that's ready to go and be progressive you're not going to get you know some of the guys that other programs are going to be willing to do anything as it is right now to get those guys uh, on their team. So what's my take on that? I know no one asked, but damn it, I'm going to say it. Well, I, 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 I would, I would, I would agree with you. I, I think that Lincoln's biggest flaws, obviously, um, you know, he held on to Mike Stoops too long. Um, obviously that, that happened. And then you look at, um, and I like Mike, I, I, I know Mike and he's a great guy. I give a pass. Hold on. Don't you give a pass? I mean, that's kind of the guy who passed over rain, bro. So I get that one. Like right. That one, I no no shade on that. I understand that. And then the, the, I think he's holding on to Grinch too long at, in, at USC. I mean, if, if you look at this past season, why did USC end up not making the playoff? Well, they couldn't stop anybody. Right. Um, it wasn't, you know, so I, I think that he he's had that flaw. And I, I would also say in terms of being a leader of men, I think that there were guys, and I knew guys, I mean, obviously I knew guys on that team, and even talking to some of the guys that, you know, that I still know, the offensive guys liked playing for him because they scored a lot, right? They, their statistics were great. They all got drafted, whatever. Uh, I don't think that the defensive guys were totally inspired by him. Where I, I get the feel from Brent, and again, I'm not around the program as much, but it feels like everybody, no matter if you're offense, defense, whatever, uh, likes playing for Brent, likes playing for this staff. And so that's the part that, uh, and I think that's probably the biggest key of of any successful coach, right? In any sport is uh, being a leader, somebody that you, you're inspired to play for. Uh, and while I, I think that, you know, I'm sure Baker was inspired to play for Lincoln, but um, was Kenneth Murray, um, you know, were some of those guys, Curtis Bolton, um, right. Stephen Parker, some of those guys, were those guys inspired to play for a guy like Lincoln? So I think that, that that's kind of where, um, he needs to grow as a coach. And, and again, maybe that's just how he is. I, 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 you know, we haven't seen him really change over the years, right? It, it was, it was so funny watching USC this year. It felt like we were just watching Oklahoma uh, 2.0, right? Yeah. So it, Completely. it was just like, watching. yeah. So yeah. This, let's uh, transition to the NFL real quick. And I, and I got a question for both of you guys. I'm going to throw out some names who were involved in the playoffs this year. Uh, some of them still hanging around. Geno Smith, Skyler Thompson. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're gonna do them all. Okay, my bad, my bad. Go ahead. Pat, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, everybody knows Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. No, no Baker, no Kyler in uh, 2023. Holy cow, 2023. To both of you. If I had given you that list three years ago, that that these would be your playoff quarterbacks in the 2023 playoffs out of the Big 12, 
Uh, what would you say, DMAC? Man, I'd say you were lying. <laughs> lie like a fly. What did we say when we were kids? You lie like a fly with a booger in your eye. You don't know about that one, but we used to say that one. Uh, I, I would have never believed you. I, for sure, I was on the Baker is going to be a better pro than college or as good a pro as he was a college kid. I, I just thought that you know, the, the intangibles in alignment with his his accuracy in college. His accuracy in college was ridiculous. And of course, his moxie when it mattered. So I, w- I would have never believed Bake wouldn't have made it. You know, I, I think Kyler is about who I thought he would be. He was so much more talented than everybody else in, in, in college, but he has some just, you know, he's got some things that he's never going to be able to overcome, presumably being height and, and reading coverage in the middle of the field while he's in the middle of the pocket is something that I always felt like, again, the NFL is a, is a game where when you get to that top shelf, you know, you play in the New Englands of the mid 2000s or the nine, the nine, the 1990s 49ers or the 2000s, you know, Rams, you're playing those teams that are that good. Like any deficiency you have, they're going to pick on it. So I, I don't know. I think Kyler is 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 doing about what I thought he would be, which is you know potentially a Pro Bowler, dynamic, make plays. Um, obviously, he got put in a, a crappy situation in terms of his own leadership. I think the general manager and the HC were were problematic. But man, you talk about first of all, of course, you know I'm gonna talk about Purdy first because you know I'm a Niners fan. So. <laughs> Get down, <laughs> come on, baby. Purdy is, is 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 here's what I'll say. He used to piss me off when we played them because he's a guy who just got dang it, he got the job done. And and obviously, you know, some starts, seven wins, um, doing some of those similar things in a in a in a very organized, structured, you know, well-groomed organization. It, it it's a fit. He's a guy who I don't think could do that anywhere. He's a guy who I don't think could do it if we could run the ball. But kudos to him. Let's go win it. Let's go win a, a Super Bowl. Uh, Skylar Thompson, man, I tell you what, they, they what's the kid's name from uh, from Bama? He didn't do him no favors on Saturday or Sunday. He he dropped three or four dimes that Skylar threw. And again, Skylar's another guy who used to piss me off. I used to hate playing his behind at K State because he did a good job and he's a tough guy. Uh, but nah, man, super dope to see some 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 unusual suspects have an opportunity uh I, i'm i've been a, i've been a mahomes hater since tech i've been a mahomes mm. hater since tech when i i didn't know and that I, and listen listen respect i super respect but i read the baker story before baker really blew up and they they had a thing they had a thing at tech and you know what i'm saying and so when that game was that the, is that the 2017 game where they 2016 2016 game man right 1100 yards and nine tds or something like that I, at that game, I texted my buddy. He's a diehard Niner fan. True story, by the way, B, uh, Barry. I texted my buddy after that game, and I said, "I think, I think, I think Bake's the best quarterback in America." But man, I hope the 49ers draft Mahomes. <laughs> and, and, and and he saved the text for I guess two years later. I don't. Remember. I guess it was the same year. Bake and Mahomes, I believe, came out the same year, or was it was was Mahomes a year prior? Or uh, Mahomes was a year before. He's a year prior. Correct. So, uh, you know that whole draft process. The, he he didn't even know who Mahomes was, right? He didn't watch, you know, B tier Big Twelve t- guys. He knew who Baker was. He didn't know Mahomes, and sure enough, he's like, "Damn, how the hell did you know that guy was going to be so good?" I was like, "Well, I watched that game in 2016, <laughs> <laughs> and Baker mixed and killed it." But Mahomes, I mean, he was blow for blow, making it happen with his with his mind, with his arms, and with his legs. So you know, Mahomes. I mean, obviously, they beat us in the Super Bowl too. 
You know what I'm saying? Which they kind of cheated us because they wouldn't call holding. They didn't call holding on them boys a whole fourth quarter, and they were holding the hell out of Nick Bosa and them guys. But fun time of the year, man, when college football ends. I look forward to the NFL playoffs, especially if my team's involved. And uh, it's pretty cool to see a lot of Big 12 guys holding it down, and, of course, one of them being my quarterback for the 49ers, uh, and, and the kid's playing well. How, how about yeah. you, George? You, you covered some of those guys. Yeah, so I think the biggest takeaway and what I've learned – you know, uh, covering the NFL and even even college is uh, coaching matters, right? Especially when it comes to the success of some of these quarterbacks. And you look at some of those guys that you mentioned, I think you could safely say that, you know, Skylar Thompson, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, even Patrick Mahomes, those four guys are in really good situations when you look at the guys that are are coaching them and also the weapons around them, right? Uh, Brock Purdy was was a really solid quarterback in the Big 12, like D-Mac said. And is is a guy that uh, I think played when he played mistake free football at Iowa State. They won a lot of football games. Now, when he made the big mistake, they lost a lot of football games. And Oklahoma knows that they they forced him into some mistakes in that Big Twelve championship game uh, a few years ago. But uh, what Kyle Shanahan has been able, and I think Kyle is the best coach in in all football right now, um, has been able to take the ball. Um, not out of Purdy's hands, but basically said, we're going to set things up where you can't make mistakes, right? I mean, they've got guys running wide open, and it helps when you have uh, guys like Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. But the way that that offense is set up is it's it's um, it's obviously not easy. I, I think what Brock's doing is incredible, and he's playing great. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a largely a credit to the system that he's playing in and the coaching. And so when you look at Baker and Kyler's careers, right, uh, Baker's had what? I think five, six different head coaches now. Uh, and in five years in the NFL, he's had, I think, seven offensive coordinators. Yeah. It's hard to have success. And now I, I don't think Baker obviously is still not playing up to what we saw him do in college, but what he did in college was a large part because of look at the weapons he had around him. And also the guy coaching him who, who again is very good at X's and O's. We've talked about that a lot, set him up to have success. And so what did he do when he caught to LA and played under Sean McVay and no, they didn't have the weapons, but he found some really good success there. And, and I got to see him play on Christmas day and he, he beat the hell out of the Broncos um, who had one of the best defenses in the, in the, in the league this year. So I think the guy can still play at a high level in the NFL. He just needs to be smart about where he goes. I think obviously he kind of got a raw deal when you talk about what happened in Cleveland um, and, and and all that went on there. And then I think he jumped ship to the first place that he thought he could win a starting job. And, and it just turned out Carolina was a sinking ship when he got there and it just wasn't going to work. And, and it wasn't a good fit for what, you know, he wanted to do offensively and what his skill set is. So I think he needs to be smart this offseason in terms of where he picks to go. And, and if that means being a backup for a year, that's fine. I just think that he needs to, uh, and maybe he takes a Geno Smith type route, right? I mean, Geno had to obviously be a backup, jump around a bit, and then obviously kind of landed in the perfect spot in terms of what Seattle's doing. So I think Baker needs to find the right place for him. And then for Kyler, I think it's kind of a similar situation, right? I mean, yes, I think Cliff's a, a smart guy offensively, but uh, he also had his problems. I mean, yeah, he had Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, and the best they ever did was, I think, seven and five. So uh, I think that Kyler also needs to hope that the Cardinals go out and get a really good head coach and somebody that can help him grow as a player. Because, like DMAC said, he has his, uh, you know, his limits on what he can do, and so you got to have a smart coach that can that can uh, adjust and and 
and make their system around. I mean, I think one of the perfect examples is Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen is a guy, I covered him, obviously, his last year at Oklahoma. He was not great that year. Uh, he was good enough to win a lot of games, right? And and they made the college football playoff, but that defense was pretty good that year. They had some, obviously, C.D. Lamb was spectacular that season, um, but he wasn't great. And what the Eagles have been able to do with him is Sirianni has come in, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, has come in, and they've basically molded their offense around what Jalen does best, and that's being able to run the ball, get out of the pocket, take some shots down the field, make easy throws, and that's why those guys are being successful. If you would have told me Jalen Hurts, you know, two three years ago, was going to be up for the NFL MVP and possibly playing in a Super Bowl, I would have laughed in your face. Like I, I, I would not have seen that coming. So, and that's nothing against Jalen. It's just like he's not in the same tier as some of these guys, like a Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. So he's he's not in that tier. But what these teams have been able to do, and what I think great coaches in the NFL and college can do is adjust what their scheme is to what their players do best. And uh, I think that that's why you're seeing some of these guys that maybe weren't the best in college or having a lot of success is you've got great coaches fitting their system around what they do best. Uh, before we get out of here, I want to get everybody's pick on who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl this year. I'm probably going I'm picking the Giants to get there, DMAC. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking wow. it's going to happen That's again. Alone, bro. I watched I, I watched Daniel Jones. Oh, uh, well, well, we will see. Uh, Giants Is and Chiefs. Cousin? Is he your cousin? <laughs> distant. Distant. Uh, well, how about you, DMAC? Who's in the game uh, this year? You know, I'm obviously I'm biased. My home team. And, and I think we've got a good team. I, I really do. I just concern myself with seeing Purdy and adversity. You know, I mean, the Raider game was one where we played from behind. Basically, I mean, we couldn't talk, stop Stidham. Just drove me crazy, which I thought was good for the team. But nobody's made Purdy have to beat them with the pass. And as as we advance in the playoffs, I know that's exactly what Dallas may attempt to do. We'll see if they have the personnel because they got to stop the run. But Philly can do it. Philly has lockdown corners and Philly has a front seven with some some dudes across that D line where they, I think, will plan to put Purdy in position. I so, man, you know, luckily, a lot of our listeners aren't my Niner fans because <laughs> they would probably give me hell. But I actually think uh, Philly having that game at home is going to position them to be in a position. I, I obviously, this all assumes that Hurts uh, is, is healthy. Jalen Hurts isn't healthy. Yeah. Forget about it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna moonwalk into the into the uh, the Super Bowl, but I've got Philly, and, and until you until you beat them, you, you, you gotta you gotta go with KC. Watching that game last week, Burrow played like a dog, but Cincinnati did. That O line mm. is just I'm just telling. I mean, he may not make it through the playoffs. Just yeah. the amount of adversity he has to overcome, play and play out, is 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 a tough pill. It's a tough hill to climb. And and uh, Allen, I I just think that man, he he makes unnecessary. I don't think he's gonna be able to have the mess ups he's had, uh, even last week when they you know when they won that game um, against uh, who did they just beat three days ago? Uh, Cincinnati beat uh, uh, Ravens, Baltimore, yeah. And the Bills but, uh, beat the Dolphins. 
to build the Dolphins. Skylar Thompson, there it is, right? Like, yep. To be honest with you, if, if Waddle plays decent, that's a tougher game. He drops some game-changing plays that are that are thrown like dimes. I think passes. Mahomes and crew, Mahomes and crew, um, just the chemistry on offense. People sleep on their defensive front, but those guys make opportunistic plays. The pedigree is there. The coaching is there. It'll be interesting to see if they end up playing Buffalo because that's a that's a neutral side in Atlanta, so that'd be pretty dope. Um, but I, I think it's going to be KC, and if it may be a coin, it would be fifty five percent Philly, fifty five percent Niners, and that's just because I'm biased. How about you, George? I've got the I like the Eagles. Um, I think that they've got um, a really just solid team. I know they're kind of limping into the playoffs, but I think that bye week's going to help them a bit. This week against the Giants, I just think that eventually the the Purdy Magic's going to run out. Um, I could be totally wrong. Uh, I would not be. I mean, the 49ers are a machine right now, so they could just run through it and and make it. But I'm going to take the Eagles in the NFC. I I like what they're doing. And then um, I'm taking the Chiefs. Um, I think that they're playing the best football. I also think that they have the best team across the board. If the Bills had Von Miller, if Von Miller had not gotten hurt, I would take the Bills in a heartbeat. He's a... He's a game wrecker. He's a guy that is incredible in the playoffs. Like he plays his best football in the playoffs. Uh, but without Von Miller, that pass rush, I just don't think that they're going to be able to get after Mahomes in the AFC. Because I do think they'll beat the Bengals. Because I mean, uh, I, I could maybe get after Joe Burrow with that offensive line. So uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that they'll be able to, to beat the Bengals. And also the Bengals. I mean, they they should probably should have. I mean, if if they don't get one of the craziest plays ever to happen. Um, there in that game, they probably lose to the Ravens at home. So uh, I like the Chiefs uh, to make it, and I also like the Chiefs uh, to win it all. I've been on them all year. I, I've seen them play twice this year, and the Broncos gave them a good run for their money. But they're just uh, they, they look really good right now, and I think they've got the right pieces in place to uh, to to win it. I think it'll be interesting. I think the Giants will give them a game. I'm, I'm rolling with that. Nobody, everybody on the roundtable said that. <laughs> That TCU was going to get waxed. And I said, hold on, hold on. <laughs> and I, I was it. I was the only one. It was, well, granted, it's a 50 50 shot, but uh, I think some about, of these I had teams. TCU against Michigan, too, bro. Me and you, you did, not, to mm, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. Yes, I, I got to go I back had and TCU listen. Against Michigan. I didn't have TCU. You had TCU in a close loss to Georgia. That's I did. When I jumped off the boat. That's when I jumped off the boat. <laughs> I had TCU against Michigan for sure. I said styles make fights, and TCU has the style of offense that could give them trouble. Michigan can win if they control the ground game initially, and if TCU can get a lead and put pressure on them. I I had TCU with you. I was not as as strong as you, but I had TCU. I had TCU. Yeah, I think that's why the 12-team is going to be so interesting because you look at the NFL playoffs, and it comes down to those last two or three weeks – you know, a lot of teams you'll you know see teams in a in a wild card game, you know, get some confidence, maybe maybe beat a team that they probably shouldn't have beat, and then you go on a run. I mean, that I think that's what college football has missed. I mean, just basically the entire era uh, of the the polls. You know, I think that's been, and then when you went to the four team, it was exacerbated because. You know, now you got teams who are essentially shoe ins if they just have you know a loss or less. Uh, so, so I think it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting era uh, moving into uh, moving into where we're moving into in college football. But uh, George, 
I want to thank you for hopping on today, man. Tell everybody where they can go and find you, see who you're covering. Yeah, you can just uh, find me at, at George Stoya. That's S-T-O-I-A on Twitter. That's my at. And then uh, my work's on gazette.com. But um, I'm typically putting everything out on my uh, Twitter and social media. But that's typically where you can find me. But thanks for having me, guys. It, it was a total blast. I always enjoy um, talking some Oklahoma football. Absolutely, man. And guys, make sure to go leave us a rating and review. Subscribe to the pod. Follow us on Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. And we will see. Actually, DMAC, you got any parting words for the folks uh, to, nah, today man, before I, we I hop out? Had a great time, man. I, I, I love doing what we do, brother. I have a great time. Like I say offline, man, it's fun to be in business with, with sharp guys who know their stuff. George kind of came and brought it. Appreciate you for being a value add. Appreciate you for taking time to you know, be a part of our platform. We definitely going to support you as well. Um, here, here's what I'll say. Here's, I will say one thing. And, and content creation, there shouldn't be an off season. So, so just be on the lookout for us to continue to pump out um, activity, content, you know, things for you guys to stay engaged in. We want you guys to know that although football is the shortest season as it relates to in-season games, we want to make sure there's a lot of stuff happening, even though games aren't happening. So looking forward to that continuing to happen. Obviously, this interview is one of those things we want to continue to provide. Patrick Fields and, and the roundtable. B, B, what do you think about the roundtable we're potentially going to have next week? How Ooh, sick is that going to be? Man. <laughs> Fans yes. of Oklahoma football of yeah. all ages and generations will want to listen to this podcast. Hey, I'm going to text you some you. names. I'm going to text you some names to RSVP. I would text you some names offline. I'm not going to say them on the air. Cause I don't want to. If somebody backs out, I don't want everybody to get pissed. But some yep. pretty cool names have already committed to coming to this. This and the and the the roundtable is going to be centered around off season. <laughs> Talk about the hell that happens. Off season is the worst time of the year because there's no one there to save you. By the way, you barely see your coaches. Coaches are not around during off season. It's you, the strength coach, and the door club. And it's fun, 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 and water. Let's, let's not be bugbear. You do have you do have access to water. But looking forward to that conversation and hear what different guys and their different areas of the OU program went through and how it got them to where they got, you know, their career. So looking forward to having that uh, the next week or so. And uh, let's just keep it in it, bro. Love it. Sooner Nation, thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you next